0: On today's Smart 7, Rishi does battle with the Lords, tensions rise across the Middle East and much more. It's Friday 19th of January, it's National Popcorn Day and happy birthday, Dolly Parton. The Smart 7, it's news, but not the news. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak should have been celebrating as he fought off a Tory backbench rebellion and saw the safety of Rwanda bill pass its third reading in the Commons. Instead, he plunged himself into a new battle, this time with the House of Lords, who are next to consider the bill. He held a most unusual press conference on Thursday morning, at which he urged the Lords to pass the bill swiftly so that he can still promise flights leaving to Rwanda this spring. The treaty with Rwanda is signed and the legislation which deems Rwanda a safe country has been passed unamended in our elected chamber. There is now only one question. Will the opposition in the appointed House of Lords try and frustrate the will of the people, or will they get on board and do the right thing. His plea fell on deaf ears, appearing to almost immediately backfire as various lords referred to his press conference as bizarre, vacuous and simply weird before they agreed a two-month timetable to review the details of the bill. That means the earliest it could come to a vote is mid-March and crossbench peer Lord Carlisle was scathing about the way the whole process has been run. We've seen in various other countries the damage that's done when governments use a and often ill-judged political imperatives, to place themselves above the courts. This is a step towards totalitarianism and an attitude that the United Kingdom usually deprecates. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu made a public statement on Thursday rejecting the White House's proposed two-state solution and insisting that all territory west of the Jordan River would remain under Israeli security control. His remarks came in the wake of attacks launched by Iran on Pakistan and Kurdistan, which led to the death of at least nine people, including a British Iraqi citizen. Iran says the strikes were aimed at terrorists, but UK Foreign Secretary Lord David Cameron was warning of repercussions. The world is watching Iran and it's over over these proxies but also the action it has been taking directly uh, and that people will draw their conclusions from the actions that they are taking and they should expect a very strong response. Pakistan responded with strikes on Iran targeting what it claims are terrorist hideouts in the Siestan-Obalushistan region but Pakistan's Foreign Affairs Ministry spokesperson Mumtaz Baloch says an escalation of tensions is the last thing they want. Pakistan uh, considers the people of Iran as our friends and brothers, and uh, we have no interest in uh, escalating any situation. Ukraine claimed credit for a drone attack on an oil terminal in St. Petersburg on Thursday as part of what it described as a new phase in the war. It came as Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov held his annual press briefing, which went on for three hours as he shared his views on various topics relating to Russia's war in Ukraine. He criticised the newly signed security agreement between the UK and Ukraine, calling it half-baked and suggested that Ukraine will not be able to decide when or how to end the conflict because the US is calling the shots. He also said Russia can no longer trust the West and spoke about what he described as the benefits that the war had had for Russia and its people. The special military operation has unprecedentedly united our society and helped to purge it of people who, in general, did not feel that they belonged to Russian history and Russian culture. The report on the 2022 mass shooting at a school in Uvalde in Texas was finally released on Thursday. Dozens of people were killed and injured during the incident, which saw an active shooter locked in a classroom with children and teachers for over 70 minutes, even as 400 police officers gathered outside. Nineteen children and two teachers were killed and U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland described cascading failures of leadership, decision making, tactics, policy and training. He said he'd spoken directly to the survivors and the families of victims and apologised, saying their loved ones deserved better. I also told the families and survivors how deeply sorry I am for the losses they suffered that day and for the losses they have suffered every day since. I told them that the priority for the Justice Department in preparing this report has been to honor the memories of those who were taken from them. Still to come on today's Smart 7, more shocks at the Australian Open and the traitors lose as a queen. Right after this. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. There were some more big shocks at the Australian Open on Thursday, with third seed and last year's finalist Elena Rybakina, knocked out by the unseeded Anna Blinkova of Russia. Another former finalist, Daniel Medvedev, had to rally from two sets down to come back and claim a win that sees him through to the third round. The UK's Cameron Norrie also had a five-set battle, but came through against Giulio Zepieri and is now the last remaining British player in the contest. It was bad news for Emma Raducanu, who lost two sets to one to China's Wang Yafan. Speaking afterwards, Raducanu said she was struggling with one. What sounds like a nasty stomach bug. Physically, body-wise, I felt fine. It was more just like throwing up in my mouth, and then after the match, it was, it came out. But now I'm okay, and um, yeah, I'll get over it. You know, it's it was it just sucks with the timing. It's been hard to avoid spoilers about the biggest show on TV right now, no, not the reboot of Gladiators. I'm talking about season two of The Traitors. The Claudia Winkleman-hosted BBC show has become a super hit, not just in the UK, but also in the US, where Alan Cummings is the host. If you haven't seen it, it's set in a castle in the Highlands, and is sort of like a murder mystery weekend, except reimagined as a TV game show. They're particularly good at cliffhangers, and the latest contestant to exit after a five-day dramatic pause was Diane, and she went extremely viral as a result. She turned up on this morning and was quite charming about how hard it was to keep her TV debut a secret. My hubby found out by accident, told one running friend, and I obviously had to tell my hairdresser. But you didn't no. want to tell your husband? No, well, no, I didn't. Basically, the audition Bluetoothed into the car and he was in it. <laughs> yeah. Fashion and fascism are not necessarily topics you'd expect to see together in an Apple TV miniseries, but the new look does just that. It tells the story of the complicated battle between Coco Chanel and Christian Dior as they sought to bring fashion back to the world in the aftermath of the Second World War. It's set in Paris in the 1940s and stars Juliette Binoche as Coco Chanel and Ben Mendelsohn as Christian Dior, along with a host of other star names, including Glenn Close, Maisie Williams and John Malkovich. The first three episodes drop on Valentine's Day. Christian Dior ruin French couture, and I'm coming back to save it. For those of us who lived through the chaos of war, creation was survival. The legend of Coco Chanel. if people only knew. You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Give us seven minutes and we'll give you the world.